Tanya successfully issues a new euro bond worth $1.5 billion. From over 1,300 cities and 130 countries, we bring you the Good Morning Africa podcast. Good morning, Africa, and welcome aboard Joe Pulse on everything business in Africa. I am Ritha Dong. For more, follow us on Twitter at The K Financial, and you can find me at Ritha Dong. In this episode, we navigate what measures need to be put in place to ensure that banks are primed to face an uncertain future while rebuilding trust in the system. Gita Gopinath, Deputy Managing Director of the International Monetary Fund, speaks on whether banks are ready for the future. She starts with the global banking picture. The good news is that despite the very sharp increase in interest rates and the conflicts that we have seen, the global banking system has overall held up quite well. Now that said, there is still a tale of weak banks that we see even now in the current environment. I mean, there was the risk of there being a systemic crisis and required very strong action by the Fed and by, uh, you know, by the Treasury. So this, I think we should keep in mind that even if the whole system looks in a good place, the tail can still wag the dog. If you look more globally, Emerging markets, excluding China, have actually held up quite well. Their regulatory capitals have been quite high, and that has actually helped them tide over this difficult period. China, of course, is a different story of its own, which is it has banks, very large banking sector. I mean, the top four banks of the world are in China, but also they have the issue of the exposure to the property sector, which is weak, local government financing vehicles, which are in uh, some trouble. But big message, global banking system has held up well, but I don't think that is called for complacency because what the March episode taught us is that it just takes some small number of banks to have a big shock to the system. What does climate change mean for the future of the banking sector? There's a very large need for climate finance. And if you look at the numbers, by 2030, the, d- the need is for about 40 trillion. Uh, and what we've seen from the very large banks, the so-called GSIBs, Commitments of about $9 trillion to finance new sustainable projects uh, till 2030. So that's a good chunk of the $40 billion, but still, I mean, the banking sector makes up about half of the financial system. So more is certainly needed. But before we get there, and I think the point that you made, that there is certainly a demand for uh, climate finance, but we still have all kinds of holes in terms of data, in terms of information architecture, right? I mean, concerns about greenwashing are relevant. Uh, And so I don't think we've actually managed to put together the information architecture that's needed, the kind of the transparency that's needed to get a lot of capital flowing very quickly to the climate space. And here again, since regulation is absolutely critically important, regulators are going to play a very important role. Now, there's, of course, the flip side of what climate means for the banking sector, which is the transition risks and the risks to the banking system of that exposure. Again, there, we're only kind of in the early stages of trying to determine what that implies in terms of risks to the balance sheets of banks uh, from climate exposures that they have, and much more needs to be done on the regulation and the supervision side. But if we, I mean, we have simulations, others have run simulations, that if you have a very disorderly adjustment climate transition, that could be very costly. The banking sector has embraced AI. What are some of the risks to look out for? So I think everybody uh, agrees that this is transformational with a lot of promise, but also risks associated with it. And we have the new study that shows that about 40% of the global workforce is exposed to AI. That doesn't mean it's a bad thing. It could mean that that means that some fraction of that will benefit from it. It will raise their productivity. 
that fraction is about half of that 40%. And the other fraction uh, will have a harder time, you know, maybe low wages, displacement, and so on. The banking sector is, you know, one of the, in the forefront of adopting this technology. If you just look at where the money is being spent on AI by industry, banking is up there among the top. Clearly, lots of benefits from it, financial inclusion, even in terms of, uh, you know, like AI-driven biometric identification that makes things safer for the payment system. Lots of pluses, productivity increases, and so on. But of course, there are still these issues about when loans are being made, are you going to use this technology which can then generate embedded bias, the questions of data privacy, and whether you, you know, this technology accidentally reveals confidential information. Autonomous AI, we just saw one example where that happened. So those kinds of risks exist and need to be taken care of. There's another risk which is not like imminent, but something that we are thinking about at the IMF, which is if we enter in a world where all the major banks are using this technology, which by the way is being produced by three or four big companies in the world and then adapted, uh, are we going to see like supercharged herding behavior? Which is, are we going to see where you have AI bots or AI models that are sentiment driven uh, and feed off of each other? And you then end up with much bigger uh, amplitudes in the financial cycle, which is you can get big credit booms and big credit busts. This is something that we are looking into. And it's, again, I'm not saying it's an imminent risk of any kind, but it is something that we are paying attention to. And a quick look at the markets. The market segment is powered by the Development Bank of Rwanda. We empower you. The Johannesburg Stock Exchange Share Index was down for a second day on Wednesday, trading below the 73,000 level in line with global peers. The negative mood was triggered by hotter-than-expected U.S. inflation data that prompted investors to scale back bets for deeper rate cuts by the Federal Reserve. On the domestic front, South Africa's retail trade rose by 2.7% from a year earlier in December 2023, following an upwardly revised 1% decrease in the prior month and better-than-market forecast of a 0.7% fall. Resource-linked sectors, particularly precious metals miners, were the highest hit, while financials and industrials advanced slightly. And a quick trip around Africa. Kenya has successfully issued a new euro bond worth $1.5 billion to buy back the inaugural one due in June 2024. In a statement, the National Treasury says the new loan, divided into three installments, has a weight average life of six years and is expected to mature in 2031. The bond is priced at 10.37%, the highest rate an African state has ever offered. Court divorced January issuance and Benin's February bonds, which raised $2.6 billion and $750 million, were priced at between 8.5 and 7.5%. The exchanger says the proceeds of the 2023 euro bonds will fund the offer to buy Kenya's existing $2 billion euro bonds due in 2024, pending demand in the tender offer whose results are expected on February 15th. It says the combined transactions are a crucial part of the government's strategy to smoothen the maturity profile of the 2024 euro bonds and proactively manage debt liabilities. The remaining portion of the 2024 euro bonds not purchased in the tender offer will be funded through a mix of government funds and financing from multilateral bilateral sources, including bank syndication. The new debt is coming just a week after Kenya opened the tender offer for bondholders wishing to participate in the buyback for its inaugural euro bond issued in 2014. Sellers will also be paid accrued interest on their bonds, whose most recent interest payment was in January. The retirement of the 2014 euro bond has haunted Kenya's fiscal plan, forcing the East African economic powerhouse to seek various loan facilities from both multilateral and commercial lenders. 
Small and medium-sized enterprises championing green transition are among the firms set to benefit from a deal between the development agency FSD Africa and financing promoter African Guarantee Fund targeting the African continent. The deal seeks to provide green SMEs with critical financial support, technical assistance and capacity building, propelling them towards growth. The agreement outlines a detailed collaboration framework between the organizations in boosting sustainable development in Africa, with the main aspects involving assistance in the development of financial products for institutions, offering partial credit guarantees for bonds and funds raised on behalf of SMEs and conducting capacity building events are other key aspects of the deal. Through the provision of financial support and business growth enhancement, the SME is expected to play a pivotal role in reducing carbon emissions aligning to the 2050 net zero goals. They're also expected to generate and sustain employment opportunities, especially for women and youth. Commenting on the deal, FSD Africa CEO Mark Napier said the move is an important milestone in the offer to foster sustainable economic development in Africa. The International Energy Agency is launching a program to secure the supply of minerals critical to energy security as demand rises faster while manufacturing remains in the hands of a few key producers. This is according to its executive director, Fatil Birol. Fatil Birol said the production of electric cars, solar panels and other energy equipment requires a steady supply of minerals such as lithium, cobalt and copper. The IA continues to keep an eye on the oil and gas markets, but the supply chain of energy technologies is an important emerging security challenge. Birol did not give further details, but said the program was inspired by the oil and security mechanism, which requires member countries to hold 90 days worth of oil stocks that can be released in the event of global supply disruptions. China is a main producer for 30 out of 50 critical minerals, according to a U.S. Aerospace Industries Association paper last year, and is the world's top miner and processor of rare earths. The country last year imposed curbs on exports of gallium and germanium and types of graphite in an effort to protect its dominance in strategic metals. The IA's move comes as countries escalate efforts to cut emissions, requiring ready supplies of critical minerals such as lithium, copper, nickel, cobalt, manganese and graphite used in batteries and rare earth elements used in wind turbines and electric vehicles. Thank you for always waking up with us. Good Morning Africa is a product of the K-Financial. If you have suggestions or you just want to check out more stories, visit the website. That's thekfinancial.com. Don't forget to subscribe. You can also find us on all social media platforms at the K-Financial and you can find me at Withadome.